The goal of the Salumas podcast is simple. Take a candid, objective, and often comedic approach to the human condition. In keeping with this, the use of expletives, crude humor, and references to harsh realities are commonplace. If you find any of this to be offensive, please throw your listening device in the trash. If not, enjoy the show. Back for another episode of the Salumas Podcast. This is Kalu. This is Chris. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, so before going into describing him, the the topic of this episode is called the ROI of kindness. And um, I thought that it would be nice to talk about just the just kindness in general. What's ROI stand for? Because when you sent me that, I thought release of information in no, the field that I'm from. It's the return on investment. Uh, and so uh, I tend to think that when you are kind to someone, there's this unspoken type of thing where it's like they should be kind back, maybe. Um, so I know that's not always the case, but uh, I tend to just think of it as a ROI type thing. And it's probably kind of fucked up, but whatever. That's just how I, that's just how I am. Um, but I said, or I thought that why not have someone who I believe is one of like the nicest people I've ever met. Like I'm not even saying that cause you're here. It's like, he's just a kind dude. And so, uh, we have our guest on here and I'd like to, for you to introduce yourself. Hey guys, I'm Nick Adkins and, uh, I met Kalu just a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he came walking into my gym anytime fitness and, uh, had a great Kalu's just a great guy. He's somebody easy to talk to. Um, so I kind of doesn't really know me that way. Yeah, he he's a still diabolical bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> he's too. cool. I mean, he's my, one of my best friends, but right? damn, he's the he's the devil also. <laughs> <No>. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I want to I want to break down kindness, and um, I don't know what why it kind of just popped into my head. Um, I think honestly, I think it's because you sitting around mad about something, weren't you? <laughs> Yeah, I might now. Yes, you did. Was, you did a fave for somebody. Yeah, and you I didn't think, get yeah, a pat on the. You didn't get a attaboy, did you? It's not that I didn't get a attaboy. It's just that the outcome wasn't as I expected, <laughs> and uh, I need expectations. To, I know, and I need to be better about that. And so that's why I wanted to be able to understand it a little bit more. If anything, this episode's for me to try and just learn a little bit. You just so, pulling a George Costanza on us, pretty much. But explain that because I don't know who that. Oh, is. the airing of grievances, festivals. Oh, all of that yes, kind of stuff. yes, yes. It is a definite airing of grievances, and and the grievance is on myself, just because I need to be better about not expecting when I'm kind to people. We've got another special guest. There's a cricket in here. Yeah. Oh, now. I, it's so not, y'all just it's for ambiance. Yeah. It's a special cricket. So y'all just bear with us. Everything yes. will be fine. But so who wants to go first on talking about kindness? Well, I think you brought up the whole point of expectations. And there is something about when you expect something and you don't get it in return, there's that failure. You feel like you failed something. You feel like yeah. you've, uh, you've messed up in some way. When it comes to kindness, um, I think when you start to expect it reciprocated to you um, and it doesn't happen, it kind of sets you back. It kind of makes you feel like maybe that wasn't good enough. Maybe I didn't do it uh, good enough. Maybe I'm not enough. Maybe I can't. Uh, maybe I should have done it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you 
when you give or when you are kind without any expectations, there's no failure there. You don't feel like uh, you let somebody down. You did something out of your heart. Um, and there is no, uh, there, you don't have that feeling of, of, of failure, of, of anger that they didn't kind of give it back to you as you, sure. as you expected them to. Sure. Um, so that's um, giving without expectations is, is sometimes a tough thing to grasp because I think we, as humans, naturally feel like we deserve something else, something in return for it. A return yeah. on that investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the things too that I that I always talk about, and I try to do it a good amount, maybe just not in this sense, is that I, I sort of live by the 51% rule. And so that is like, as much as I can, I will give 51% to just about everything as far as like my relationships with people. And that's just because... I don't want to have that mindset of like I give and and don't get anything back from you or something. If I always know that I'm doing more, then I'm typically never disappointed. Now, that doesn't work with every single person. Sure. But I try to be that way with everyone, but it's just I guess just lately when it comes to just being nice to people. And I think it's because there's like there's just so much like just messed up shit going on in the world, you know? And so it's like, I wish that more people were just kind in general. And so when I'm just like, well, I'll start off by just being kind. And when they're not, I'm like, motherfucker, don't you see? There's like all this terrible <laughs> shit going on and your bitch ass wants to act like this. Yep. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I come from. And then, you know, Chris and I, we had talked about it. And I think Chris, you had brought up the fact that some can use it as kind of a form of capital. Do you remember when we were talking? Oh, yeah. About well, I mean, obviously, kindness is a social construct, and it's bound to context. Um, what one person would consider kind, like placating, like, oh, your your hair really looks nice, and it looks like sheep shit on a dusty road. <laughs> one person might construe that, that placation as being nice. An another person uh, might say that it's... Why, why would you, you're not really that person's friend if you don't tell them that their haircut's fucked up and not to do that shit again? Mm. You know, there's two sides. Actually, there's way more than two sides. Again, kindness is a social construct. So I guess at, at the the rudiment of what we're talking about, if we were going to look at it from like a scientific standpoint, we're looking at altruistic elements. Like you were talking about kindness without an expectation of something in return. Um, another debate in here would be the uh, the social capital versus altruism element of it. Like social capital, it, it's related to your return on investment. Your kindness is used as a vector for making social progress or navigating a social landscape. Um, that's your, I guess, that's your vehicle mm. to navigate this social landscape is through kindness. So in some ways... Uh, Kindness can be utilized, and I don't want to say in a predatory way, but in a way that very much benefits the individual. Um, Nick was saying kindness without expectation. Mm -hmm. That isn't a very productive thing if you're talking about navigating a social landscape. Your return on investment is not there. You, you are literally doing things like, um, and I'll go ahead and give an example and this is not me lauding myself. This is simply an example of what you can and cannot do. Like in my field, I had a guy that I just moved out of uh, care and into the community. And all he wanted to do was watch TV. 
and he had a little tiny uh, tube television that he had purchased from the care home that he had just come from, from another uh, resident there. And it had like tape on the side of it. And it wasn't but like, you know, what is it, like 12, 15 inch TV, <laughs> one of those little mm-hmm. tiny boxy yeah. deals. And it looked like, uh, I mean, a little mess. But I tried to hook it up. It wouldn't work. We, we were like, this man just wants to watch TV in his new apartment. Mm-hmm. Fundamental stuff we take for granted. Me and another coworker decided we were going to go and get him a TV. So we went to the consignment place where we purchase a lot of items and have like a uh, running uh, account with and got him a TV. That, that TV also would not work. So I just got fed up, stressed out. It was the end of the day, and I had a TV in my house, um, like a 32-inch flat screen that was in my bedroom that I literally have not turned on in a year. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck it. And I went ahead and I gave him that TV. Now, the, the selfish element of it is it alleviated, it allowed me to wash my hands of the situation and sleep well at night, knowing that that dude was in his unit watching TV and doing what he wanted to do. There, That's a return on the investment to me, honestly. So there's not an altruistic element to that entirely. The altruistic element, and there's a utility in doing it this way, is not telling him that that TV came out of my house. I made sure that not only did I not tell him that that TV came from me, none of the other workers told him that the TV came from me. And that's not because I'm like, I'm the unspoken hero. It legit can cause some internal conflict and role confusion when you, as a worker, provide one of your personal items to one of your, your clients. So there's utility in not divulging that information. Um, so even at the rudiments of it, even when you're talking about saying and doing things without expectation, if you really dig, sometimes it's, and at least to me, if I'm being honest, a lot of the stuff that I do without expectation, the things that would be construed as kindnesses are just so I can lay my head down at night and feel like I've put my stamp on that day. Like Mm -hmm. I've, I've put out more good than I've taken. Okay. Or put out more good than I've put out bad. It's it's that kind of... It's an internal form of capital with me. Mm. As opposed to the external form of capital, which, like Nick was saying, I think you kind of set yourself up for failure and you set other people up for failure with the expectation. Sure. If you're inwardly directed, and I know I've gone on this long diatribe about this shit, but if your motivations are inward, if, if you're directing those things towards yourself... I think the outcome tends to be a lot better. Where do you stand, Nick? You got great points in that. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I look more towards the inward piece of it too, and saying, "Okay, this is I, I did something good today. I was I was productive today. I provided some form of comfort to somebody by being caring or giving." Uh, I think my bigger the the big picture is what is my legacy? What am I leaving? In this world, um, am I leaving negativity? Am I leaving? Am I leading, leaving um, divisiveness? What am? What? What am I? What is my imprint? What am I marking on this world? Mm-hmm. Um, if my legacy is something that uh, my kids um, kind of take with them, and if I can show them how to be kind and caring and loving, um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay going to the ground knowing that I. I showed my kids how to be better humans. Sure. Um, 
So I think the, the bigger picture for me is what is my legacy? What am I leaving in this world? How am I making it better? Even if it's just by providing a smile or a handshake or a high five or a hug, um, how did I make somebody's life better today? And that ultimately is a good enough investment or a return on investment for me to say this is this is the right path. Sure. I, I mean, I tend to agree. I mean, it seems like legacy is the ultimate investment yep. because it's it's like we had talked about in one of our very first episodes on legacy where it's like legacy doesn't start while you're alive. It starts when you're dead. And so that, you know, all the work that you put in, it starts. That's where it's like, OK, let's see how that work starts to show itself. You know, for the longest time, you're building that up by doing nice things or whooping ass or whatever in, in life or something like that. But it, you're never it's you're never going to see the fruits of your legacy because it's supposed to happen when you're gone. That being said, do you all think, though, that. In the in the effort of <clears throat> of having this legacy or, or trying to build this legacy or anything like that, do you think that you can forget to sort of be kind to yourself? Because one one thing for me is that I had to just sort of relearn how to be nice to myself because I was so nice to other people. I would do shit for people all the time. Like it it's very easy for me to think like Oh, Nick is like super nice when he is, you know, when he's on and he's at work and, you know, and talking to all the people. But when you get home, do you just come back and you're like, everyone leave me the fuck alone. You guys do your things. I'm on my own. Yeah, that's that's a tough it's a tough day. I deal with um, or I don't deal with them. I get to interact with, uh, you know, 200 people a day. Yeah. Um, and I get to hear, you know, half of them have something to say, whether it's negative or positive. Um, most times it's they're coming in to vent about something. I'm kind of that uh, objective guy that I don't really know them. I know them inside the gym, but I, I don't know them outside the gym. So I think I'm that easy person to kind of vent on. Um, like a barkeep. Yeah, like it a is like a bar. Yeah. yeah. They, don't know, they know I'm not going to judge them. They know I'm not going to look at them any different. Uh, so I feel like I get to be that guy that people get to vent to. At times, it does get a little overwhelming. Um, you go home and, yeah, you don't want to talk. Like, I, I just have to absorb what 200 people told me today. Um, and, some <laughs> Fuck, of them, and, and some of them were, were not great. Some of them yeah. were tough to deal with, um, mentally tough to deal with. How do I process 200 different conversations every single day and not take that home? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, at times, that's a difficult thing to do. Um, and I just got to kind of have to zone out a little bit and chill um, and say, you know what? This is not me. Uh, it's not my problem. Yeah. And and say, it's okay. Uh, we'll live to see another day. And hopefully I have some good advice the next day. You know, we, it, it's almost like getting chafed, dude. It really yeah. is. Like you get out uh, like a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a social caress is nice. But yeah. if you just keep Too on much. it, keep on, it gets, you kind of get rubbed raw psychologically. Yeah. So the thing that I was going to say, too, is that, like, you know, we had an episode on on friendships and we had said that, like, I think the average person, the average life or, yeah, I guess in one person's lifetime, the average amount of friends typically kind of tops out at like 150. Like, well, it's the, this is from a social psychology. Yeah, standpoint. yeah, yeah. They so were talking about like, like the connections that you correct. make. And so it's it tops out in your life at 150. If you're dealing with. 200 like or near 200 daily and these people can are telling you things that they may not tell someone even closer to them or something like that 
with you not being and and I would imagine that a lot of people see you as a therapist um without having to pay, you know, they pay a monthly fee. So right. in essence, you might actually make more than therapists <laughs> just because everyone pays a monthly yeah, fee yeah, yeah. and they can go in and talk and lift if they want. But like um when you have to deal with that so much, it's like that would that would wear me down a whole bunch. And like, yeah, these people can be considered your friends, but like it doesn't seem sustainable in my head to manage that many connections at once. Like, I feel like there would have to be a point where I'd just be like, hey, you got to go talk to someone. Or there would be a point where I'd start thinking, shit, I got to go talk to someone. Well, like, it's, it's it's the reciprocity between his professional role and his personal role. Mm-hmm. And that the fact that they're not mutually exclusive. Like, who you are as an individual is very much... And, and, and many times it serves a utilitarian function in your professional role. So he's being... I imagine a sincere individual when he's approaching all of these folks being the objective ear. Yeah. But, uh, but is the kindness that you show in work, is it the same level of kindness that you have outside? Cause I, I tend to think there's different levels of kindness, just like we kind of said. And even though they might be positive, I don't think that some should be used in other, in certain situations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think from my point of view, kindness doesn't have a, a real boundary uh, i am who i am and and i feel like just people have callings people are supposed to sure. uh, have uh, you're you are supposed to have a chosen path I, I still firmly believe that my chosen path or the path that i i feel like i have been called to do is is be that open ear that that person that can look somebody in the eyes and and, and be sincere and say you know what if you need me i'm here because i'm going to be here um, so there, for me, there are no real boundaries with that. Um, so yeah, who who you see inside the gym is is who you're going to get outside the gym too. Do you have Do you have someone like that for you? I do. Obviously, you go home to your spouse and kids, um, and they're not the ones that I really want to vent to. You sure. know, I think right. you should. It's not it's like it's not their job damage. to me. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you do kind of bring that. And I like I I can't remember who told us that. So like, I think it was Dr. Die that might have said, like, it's not your spouse's job to make you happy. Not at all. <laughs> you know? Not at all. So keep going with what you were no, saying. No, so it's tough. You know, when I go home and Lisa says, how was your day? There's some days where I'm like, fuck, I got my ass handed to me today. <laughs> yeah. But I don't. Yeah. Because I don't want to bring that. I don't want to bring anybody else down. Yeah. So I internalize a lot. Um, I have a lot of sleepless nights. And honestly, the gym kind of helps me through. That. Yeah. It's always been my therapy. Yeah, uh, that's why I get there so early. Is I can I can do my workout and not have any kind of interruptions or um, anything. It's just me and my headphones and and I rock it out. Yeah, and that's kind of been my go to from early days. Uh, I was ninety nine pounds my freshman year of high school and got picked on all the time. Mm. You go to a, a school with five thousand other guys and you are not only the the smallest but you're the youngest at the time. I was. I have a late birthday, so mm-hmm. I was I was the youngest there too. So the gym kind of the introduction to the gym really really helped me get through my high school days. And it was there where, you know, you could choose two different paths. You can be a dick all your life because mm-hmm. people were dicks to you, or you can kill people with kindness and be and and be honest and genuine. Um, and that just happened to be the path that I choose is is I can use the gym as my vehicle of kindness for kindness and say. Hey, Come in here. You can 
physically you can feel better about yourself. Um, and hopefully mentally I can help you feel a little bit better too. Sure. Now, do you, I, I also think that, you know, a lot of the people that, that I believe are like extremely kind, a lot of that kindness has come from some, something negative mm -hmm. that happened. Can you talk more about, like you said that you were picked on a lot or something yep. like that, like go more into that. And I, I guess my message is to sort of get people to like, to understand that that you don't have to. Try, how do, how do I best say it? Well, I mean, it it very much seems like you he chose empathy over this putting up putting up walls and defensiveness. Perfect. Like he he chose empathy, and if you choose At, empathy, I feel like that there's some momentum that's associated with that, a positive trajectory that's associated with that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's harder. It's and a it, harder yeah. thing to and it maintain comes because that. it came out of something that was negative. Yeah, but yeah. It, but if you push through that negativity, and there's, in my experience, there's always a point where you are sour. Mm -hmm. It's that making that acknowledgement that this isn't productive for me, and the traveling lightly concept comes yes. into play, and you're like, like you said, kill them with kindness. That doesn't entail fakery. Mm -hmm. That simply means even if somebody is an impediment, they're in your way, they're negative, whatever. The path of least resistance is just to pay it forward. I'm not going to say as little, but but invest what you need to in order to get this person out of. And again, it sounds callous, but out of your way to a degree. It's a it's a pacification, and that's worst case scenario. Mm. When I interact with somebody, if I placate them, mm -hmm. if I tell them something just to get them out of my face, that is worst case scenario. If I tell somebody something very. Um, on the nose and brazen and, br you know, the term brutally honest, I still give a shit. Yeah. When you start being like, oh, yeah, great, and then you keep it moving, that's that's the point where you don't give a fuck anymore. And I think, that, again, that's the spear tip on what I use for the most part, I yeah. think, is a positive trajectory for what I do. Mm -hmm. And he and I, even though even though Nick and I have different roles, we still fundamentally are dealing with human beings and their psychological and physical well-being. Yeah, it's what it comes down yeah. to. And yeah. it's not just because somebody walks in the gym, um, that doesn't mean they don't have a diagnosis or something that has gone undiagnosed. You're yeah. jousting with... 200 individuals with varying uh, degrees of competency, mm -hmm. self-understanding. Um, and when I say competency, I'm talking about like gym competency. Sure. Mm -hmm. But and, and with mine, again, varying degrees of competency with um, living independently. Yeah. Even. I want to like, the, I guess for me, I struggle with kindness because I've only been in a, I struggle with the, with, recognizing the authenticity of my kindness because I've been in a sales job for two years. And so how nice I am to people, there's a direct correlation with how much money I make. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now it's one thing to know about the technology that I, that I sell and all that kind of stuff, but like it definitely helps to be kind with them. And so I have started to have trouble and again, this is kind of where this episode comes from. It's like, it, am I being nice because like I want them to leave me the fuck alone? Am I being nice because I want their business to do well or I want to make money? Or am I being nice because I'm just wanting to be nice with them? And I'm at a weird phase where I'm like 
I'm like, where, where is the niceness coming from? And I know that one of the things we always say is intent is everything, but like it, it, I'm trying to find, you know, I, I think that everything is chemicals, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to understand is the same chemical release that I get from making a sale, the same chemical release that I get from, you know, just outright, just doing something kind for someone. And and that's where I'm sort of like it's not it, it even if it's the same chemical, it it very much is not in my opinion coming from the same place psychologically. Mm. Um, I think there are two things that happen that need to happen for us to be productive. We need to be goal oriented, like outcome oriented. Mm-hmm. To say that we're not outcome oriented is complete lunacy. You're gonna you're gonna. St- you're neutering the entire population. There's nothing to strive for at that point. But I think we lose tracks. If we're, if we're too goal-oriented or t- too outcome-oriented, we lose track of lauding the effort. Mm. And and I'm not even talking about the effort that someone else made. I'm talking about the effort that you made. The fact, finding satisfaction that you're the one that put that out there without any kind of expectation of return, like Nick was saying, I think training yourself or just examining who you are as a person in terms of um, the the personal satisfaction you receive from knowing that you left it all out there, Mm -hmm. that you gave your best effort. And again, that is a different mechanism than is the satisfaction that's achieved from uh, reaching that goal or outcome, whatever it may be. And that's okay. But you got to have both of them, in my opinion, in order to be productive. Where do you stand? Yeah. See, I think that I think in sales in particular, people invest in the person, not in the product. Mm-hmm. You might have a good product, sure, but they're investing in you. Mm-hmm. You're taking care of them. Um, so at the end of the day, we're all kind of in that salesy role. In that, yeah, you walk into the gym. It's got nice. The equipment's fairly new. It's clean. It mm-hmm. looks good. Um, the people in there seem fairly nice. There are some people that, hey, this is awesome equipment. I, I want to join because it's awesome equipment. Um, but they're investing in me. I think the other the other piece of that is they're investing in me. They're investing in somebody that does give a shit about them, that yeah. wants them to be successful. And I tell people that all the time when they come in. I'm, I will not set you up for failure. Mm-hmm. I will see this thing through to make sure that you can be the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wholeheartedly in it. But I think to your point too, it's it's the same chemical reaction. Just they're similar but different. You mm-hmm. being nice um, and kind during uh, while trying to make a sale, um, it's still an important piece of it. You're not going to make a sale if you're a jerk. Yeah. Um, so they have to know that you're wholeheartedly into them. You want to see them through. You want them to be successful. You are selling a product to help them, mm-hmm. um, and they know that you're going to take care of them. You know, they know that that you will see them through to make sure. Uh, that they are they're being well taken care of. Sure, and and I guess the thing too is that everything everything has a cost. And <clears throat> for me, when I invest into someone, like I feel like some days I invest way too much into a person, and it always comes at the cost of myself. And so there's there's a little bit of this like rubber band kind of effect, right? Where like I'll pull in one way for someone 
And then I hit this this certain point of my elasticity and I just like snap back where I'm just like, I don't give a fuck about you. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Like, I just want to do my, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I'm trying to also figure out like, when is, is there such a thing as too much kindness? If it's to your own detriment. chronic detriment, mm-hmm. you know, because again, there, there are points within a, a certain context where, you know, you do something that is a sacrifice on your behalf. But I think ultimately there's a return on that investment. It's it's kind of a latent thing. Like you you take an L momentarily for what in, eventually ends up to be a payout. Hmm. Um, I, I'm not even necessarily talking about in a social capital kind of way. It's just you dial it back, you accept your L, you keep it moving, and then ultimately things kind of have a way of, at working their way out. But if if you automatically feel as though your personal utility is somehow, um, I, d- I don't want to say in question, mm-hmm. your personal utility is in question because you have invested all of this shit into someone and you haven't had any return, I feel like you're looking at the wrong element because, again, your personal utility is only what you can expend. It's not... It's not what is reciprocated necessarily. And I know this sounds a bit convoluted, but uh, whenever we're talking about uh, individuals in terms of like the, uh, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, again, you, you use return on, in, on investment. I have adopted kind of maladies that are associated with uh the the negative things that I incur as a result of kindness, we'll say the collateral trauma that I receive in my position, um, which it, this isn't an, a woe is me type of situation. I mean, I'm I'm in this field and it makes me feel good most of the time. I lay my head down at night and I'm like, most people aren't on the front lines of making this person's life better by doing X, Y, and Z. This person's life better by doing X, Y, and Z. There is a negative element to my kindness in that uh, it makes me feel entitled. Hmm. It, it makes, we, we talked about in a previous podcast recently about indulgences. It makes me feel like, well, you know what, fuck it, I'm, I have a stressful job. I had a client die recently. I'm going to go and eat like shit today or go get a, a $5 Starbucks something. or you just you, you do reckless shit and you feel entitled to do reckless shit as a result yeah. of your investment. And that's... That's one way that this shit can manifest itself. That's how it manifests itself with me. With you, you legit get like, like you are you get mad, disappointed in in folks, like because mm-hmm. you you do see the best in them and you see the potential. I see the in, potential in a lot. And of And then people. when they don't live up to that potential, you're like motherfucker. Yeah. All right, this is a dead end. That's exactly what happens. Um, I do, like I said, invest heavily into people that I care for. And, and I try to make sure that that I do as much as I can to make sure that they get successful or something. And when they don't, because of some like silly shit that they did or something that could have been avoided, I'm just like, it, it, it takes me off to no end. And I think the problem with that is that I, as, as much as, as much as we talk about it, my issue is that I tend to take the driver's seat for a lot of people and I shouldn't. But I also see that the quickest, you know, way to from point A to B is a straight line. And if I can see the the thing right there, then that's what it is. But 
one other thing that we talk about is that your life is a journey and your journey is not going to be linear. You're going to bounce all over the fucking place. You're going to take L's. You're going to take setbacks and all this kind of stuff. And I think for me, my thing is trying to realize that that's not my problem. That is not my problem because one thing that I do is that I start, I will begin to stifle my growth for someone else's growth to get better. But because I too am very focused on legacy, I want that person later on down the line to say, oh man, Clue did something awesome for me and he stuck with me. And so that's the balancing act that I have to perform when I'm when I'm interacting with people. You know so what I'm saying? So if somebody disappoints you, it's almost like you double down on wasted energy. It's like I double down I on have, being mad about wasting my energy. That's the thing yeah. is because being mad is a wasted Yeah. That's a wasted emotion as well. So if you've already felt like that you've wasted your time and energy and kindness and effort into somebody, you're doubling down on it by being mad about it if they mm-hmm. didn't return on that investment. You're wasting even more time than you did by just keeping it moving and traveling lightly. You see sure, what I'm saying? Sure. So how do we as as humans get better about not feeling like we are like a failure? Like you had said at the very beginning, not feeling like you failed when something doesn't come, when, when the outcome isn't what you sort of thought that it would be. I think with me, and I, and I think it sometimes it's to a fault, is that enough is never enough for me. If I, if, if somebody, I, I go to bed every night wondering if I did enough for everybody. Um, did I did I give that smile that I should have given that smile to when I had a moment of weakness and I was thinking about something else? And did I show enough attention to somebody? Did I did I not did I fail to recognize somebody was struggling in the gym? Um, those things keep me up at night. So to me, in my faults, I think I put too much on me at times. Mm-hmm. And saying, I, what I did today, it might have been okay, but it wasn't enough. And I go to bed every night wondering if I failed somebody. Um, so Jesus. to a point, <laughs> yeah. to a point, I think it's it, it's a negative in that it does affect kind of how I operate and how I sleep and everything else. But um, it goes back to that that drive. You know, I know that deep down I have so much more to give. Mm-hmm. So I kind of reflect on that every night and say, did I give enough today? But for some reason, it's still, that still plays in my head. Maybe I didn't do enough. Maybe I didn't do enough. So yeah. then I wake up the next day and I try to do a little bit more. But it's, um, it's a difficult balancing act to try to say what is enough versus, you know, could you have done more? Could you have been kinder? Could you have been better today? And it, it, it balance, like you said, yeah. I think balance is fundamentally the key because I, I totally bypass the mechanism. And now I, I do worry about clients. Like I sit around and worry about individuals and, and, and things like that. But that is the nature of, you know, the beast. What I end up doing though, instead of, uh, instead of sitting around worrying about my own, like what I could have done differently or personal efficacy or things like that. Um, and this could be part of me being just a jaded social worker. Um, I'm not burnt out. Um, I'm very much invested. My head's in the game. Don't get me wrong. But when you've done this for so long and you've taken your lumps, it, it, it takes its toll on you, but I don't get, you know, social workers don't get paid an enormous amount of money, mm-hmm. especially for the amount of education that a lot of us have. And we deal with a whole lot of trauma. So, uh, again, like 100% when I get off work, 
most of the time. I'm like, done, put a stamp on the day. But it, that that type of work, um, it has a way of telling me, you know, physical training is not separate from who you are. It has to be, for for most of us, I, I'm sure there's some people that fake it until they make it or, or have ongoing need for somebody to look over their shoulder. But I've found overwhelmingly that physical fitness is just who you are. It's mm-hmm. just a part of what a normal human physiology is it's like taking care of your vehicle mm-hmm. maintenance on everything mind body reciprocity um i sit around and i'm like okay fucking done i don't feel like i have to go squat today i'm plenty strong just mm-hmm. as it is if i take a week off here and there week turns into two weeks two weeks t- turns into three weeks and again it's not like um the end of the absolute world but the part of me that is goal-oriented and wants to make more progress and see my total increase and see my numbers go up and get back, you know, jacked up and swollen stuff, that that entity suffers and it gets rationalized because that again, that's who you are. That's not that's not a thing that you do. That is who you motherfucking are. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're dealing gets, with that entitlement kind of thing. You got it, and and it. It gets looked at as a thing instead of a part of you that you are neglecting. You it have, gets looked at as a bonus thing because most people don't take control of their their physical fitness, whether yeah. that be through training or diet or, or both. They just fundamentally don't do it. So I feel satisfied not only am I like, okay, just on average, especially for somebody that's in their mid-30s, stronger, faster, healthier, and, and it gives me an out when I add the social work stuff on top of it, I'm like, I don't have to do this. I can eat like shit. I'm not going to go to the gym today. And you end up looking at these elements of who you should be or who you want to be. If you were fundamentally to write down on paper, you know, your ideal self, you ignore elements of yourself. They suffer. Yeah. As opposed, and they get viewed as a um, an object instead of, a subject like you, you are, you are that physical fitness. Instead, you're like, ah, that's the icing on the cake. That's not the cake itself. Does that make any yeah, sense? Yeah. Do you fall into that thing where you sort of give yourself like passes? Like um, if you say like you're entitled, like, oh, I've been nice enough to people today. I have, I'm entitled to be this way. No, I, I, okay. No, never good. good. Just, I, I hate, I hate that thing where people are just like, you're entitled to, to be a bitch or you're entitled is like, mm, no, you're not. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and, and when I say indulgences, it, I, I, I still, when it comes to like my social interactions with people, um, like I said, I don't have a lot of patience with able bodied and able minded individuals that are in my personal space. Uh, I, I just don't have the energy for them, but that doesn't mean that, uh, I'm sitting around giving myself a pass on, ethics or how I conduct myself if that makes any sense I don't I I had a rough day so I'm gonna treat my girlfriend like shit that is not accepted regardless my my rough day is more like I'm not like I said I'm not gonna go to the gym I'm gonna eat like shit I'm gonna sit here and play video games instead of taking care of my vehicle that I'm Mm -hmm. riding around in what's that look like for you Nick so I think with me we all have our moments moments are I think very much you have to have them. You've got to have those those breakdowns, that moment of weakness, that indulgence if you need to. 
uh, I would be lying if I told you if I told you that uh, I I didn't take drives in my in my Jeep and, and cried out a little bit and yeah. say you know what we're good I yeah. got my I got it out let's go back and hit it hard um, so yes have your moments have your have your your time to you have that have that breakdown if you need to um, it's all part of it it's all part of being human um, I think with with me people see me as a stronger entity i'm i'm somebody that people can can lean on and i'm i'm a strong shoulder to cry on if you need Mm -hmm. me to i'm that good listening ear Uh, so i don't have a whole lot of opportunities to be weak Mm -hmm. which is just as important as being strong at times and and you've got to show your weaknesses you've got to show your vulnerabilities you've got to show that you are human and um so yeah that have your moment um i have plenty of mine and uh you just move forward. Yeah. Vulnerability, dude. Like Vulner- him, yeah. him talking about vulnerability, I think that's a fundamental element of everything that we're talking about yes. when it talks when we talk about social capital because mm-hmm. even you investing in someone that you see potential, mm-hmm. that's a form of vulnerability cuz yeah. you're you're expending I'm giving my, pe- my a piece of myself to them. Right. Yeah. And that's the most valuable thing that any of us have. Again, and we've said it a million times is time because that's what we convert into literally every other form of currency or capital. Yeah. Whether that even be like experiences with loved ones, you're converting time into a good feeling. Neurotransmitters are released. But mm-hmm. I think that vulnerability element, that's a fundamental element of the investment and sure. that we have to acknowledge. And I think that if you don't acknowledge that, I think that leaves a lot more room for us to have petty emotions that are associated with it. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging that, okay, I am exhibiting some vulnerability here. So I might have, if this doesn't pan out the way that I want it to, I'm, there might be a, a reciprocal reaction, a equal reaction to the amount of vulnerability that I feel like I've exhibited. Sure. And if that doesn't get acknowledged or paid back in, in the same terms that you feel like it should get paid back in, it has a way of... Uh, turning on you it, it doesn't impact the person that lets you down so to speak it's your own vulnerability you haven't acknowledged it first of all and then secondly it turns into this negative fucking wasted emotion man like yeah. how dare you not value my time and i've jousted with this shit a whole lot i mean it's i still do i'm sure there's plenty of times where i don't even realize that i'm like how fucking dare you? I did X, Y, and Z. I've cooked dinner for us every night, and I bought you flowers, and I did all this. <laughs> like, you you can't help it as petty apes that are trying their hardest or half-assed trying their hardest. Yeah. Man, we just have these moments where we're like, we, we add everything together, too. Instead of treating things on a one-to-one, we're like, well, this happened. It's always what have you happened. done for me lately. Yeah, yeah. That's what, what have that's you done for me lately? And then also, like the you pack on all this shit. Like I, we harp on traveling lightly so often, but then I find myself being like, "Well, this happened this week. This happened this week. This happened this week. This happened this week." And all I want is an acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. That's all I want is an acknowledgement. You're not entitled to that shit. Yeah, you know, it, it don't. As long as somebody's not being overtly disrespectful, you cannot set yourself up or someone else up for failure by expecting things out of them in relation to your own subjective experiences, especially in my field. Mm -hmm. 
if I like he was saying, you can't you can't take that shit home and then co- collaterally dump that on them. And I think this all relates to the social capital element of it and the entitlement element is if if we put our stamp on the day, any three of us put our stamp on the day and we've worked our ass off and we come home to a new set of issues, family related issues, mm-hmm. normal stuff. The stamp that we left on the day in no way insulates us from our our responsibilities within that context. I struggle like fucking hell with that. It, it sucks. It's I really struggle. it's really hard. I may, sure all I may of us whoop do. all the ass at work or something like that, but like I come home and there might be like a stack of laundry or stacks of laundry or shit that has to get done. And like my wife, she leaves her stamp on the day because like she's a hospice nurse. You know, like she who who knows how many people. She was the last person they saw before they died. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So we each have our stamps put on the day. And for her, when she, you know, because she works at night, she gets off at uh, at seven in the morning, comes home, and she'll be just knocked out until like three thirty or four o'clock because they're you know are is it your circadian rhythm? Is that mm-hmm. it's they're all on different cycles? You know what I'm saying? So her nighttime is between seven you know seven thirty a.m. to about four thirty p.m. You know, and so I I am coming off of the day and then she's just getting started. But she's also like has to go back to work, you know, just two, three hours after that. You know what I mean? And so I have the problem where I make an excuse that I don't have to do shit or something like yeah. that because it's been a long day or I've been nice to everyone. And like, I'll just want to come home and just be like. I'm going to sit down and zone out or something like that. And I forget that there's there's a 13-year-old who, while she's independent, you still got to be available. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. still got to show that kindness. Or you still have to do this, that, or the other. And, like, it's – it's. I think also, there's so many – there's so many factors that play into this. Like, we're in – it's the year 2019. There We're full of distractions and stuff like that where we're all still young. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's just like we're we're still in that phase where we still want to take care of ourselves first, right? And and we forget sometimes that there's like there's just more stuff. Like, and I don't just mean just other people, but there's just other things we have to take care of. There's your house, there's your car, there's there's your body, because your body is separate from yourself. I think your body is your shell yep. and yourself is another is your no that's just my personal thing. And so I tend to, you know, tend to gloss over some of that stuff because so much has happened during the day. And so with that, I want to ask you guys, like, is kindness, I don't think that we're born kind. I think that humans are born self-serving because we're we're no different than any other animal that just comes into the wilderness or something like that. Self-preservation. We're, self, we're, we're self-preserving, yes. Um, do you think that kindness can be taught? And if so, why is there so much fucked up stuff going on in the world? Why is there bullying? Why, you know, we just recently had, you know, just another uh, mass, mass shooting. shooting. We had another one, and this stuff is happening at a rate. And and I I this I, I noticed this. I think the day that it happened, I talked to, I, I looked up or I looked at my phone. I get the notification. There's a mass shooting. And I talk. I look over at my wife. I was like, "Holy shit! There's another mass shooting." And we were both like, "Well, fuck that sucks." And then we just got back to cooking. Like we're at a point now 
Where you're callous to it. Where yeah. you're callous to it. Like yeah. if there, w- if we went a year without having one, I'd be like, holy. Exactly. Shit. I'd be like, oh my god, there wasn't a mass shooting this year, but yeah. now that they're happening, and now these these murders and all this other shit is happening, I'm scared that we're gonna stop giving a shit about it. It's just like. I think it was Stalin who said one death is a tragedy, but 10,000 deaths is a, st- is a statistic. You know, like that is kind of where I think we are getting. Yeah, it's uh, I think empathy has a huge role in all of this, and that's desensitizing. Mm-hmm. Um, was it the last episode or the episode before that where we talked about media and how presenting us with negative stuff over and over yeah, again, yeah. it's... It feeds into a side of us that is very like medulla oblongata. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that overwhelmingly, a lot of this shit has to do with an inflated sense of self. I think, especially in our culture, we're taught to take pride in things that we haven't even fucking played any role in accomplishing. Mm. People have this inflated sense of self rights and liberty and it without even understanding what it means and then also if you have an inflated sense of self without any fundamental like basis for it um, you haven't really done the groundwork and then you add group identification or group identity and with that that's a dangerous recipe for somebody to while out and do some terrible shit in no part of that equation is empathy a big a big factor. Like when you talk about inflated sense of self, how can you have an inflated sense of self and be simultaneously incredibly empathetic or kind in general? Yeah. Kindness in general, empathy. And again, I think that empathy is the root of kindness. Sure. Sure. That's fine. I I think, um, now don't get me wrong. uh, Turn your mic just a little bit. Don't get me wrong. I think that there are people, um, like you're talking about people being born kind. I think we're born with varying capacities for responsiveness to stimuli. Okay. Whatever that stimuli may be, and I think that some of us are inherently more empathetic than others. It's just an anomalous genetic thing. It, you know, it, that's how genetics work. You present a variety to an environment, and then essentially the environment chooses what is the most advantageous yeah. trait Um, We live in a social climate with a lot of variety, so simultaneously you have individuals that don't have a genetic predisposition towards empathy meeting people who do have a genetic predisposition towards empathy in the middle at social normative values. Sure. Or that's the way that it ideally should work. But in my opinion, again, I think that empathy is something that we aren't necessarily born with. I don't... Like you said, we're not born inherently good so to speak and I think if we make that acknowledgement I think it's much more empowering to us as individuals um, to pass that along to our children and and take control and augment empathy and train empathy into the next generation because I think that that's a trait that you can influence mm-hmm. and encourage and augment just like you could foster being callous mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I know that was a, a long-winded fucking oh, response to it. But, yeah, dude, I, honestly, I think that our... what How was it in Latin? In monstrum? Oh, uh, intra, intra monstrum? In, intra, inner monster. Yeah. That's a, 
I, I think if we make the fundamental acknowledgement that maybe we're not that great, that's the best starting point for being the best version of ourselves. I think if we go around being like, well, I'm a fundamentally good person and you don't really question it, that leaves a lot of leeway for you to do fucked up shit. Even, sure. even if, from a social capital standpoint, you do more normal, air quotes, normal good things than you do horrendous things, still you shouldn't afford yourself a way out by mm -hmm. you know, buying and selling indulgences, I sure. guess. What about you, Nick? Do you think that kindness can be taught? I think that, no, I think hatred can be taught. Um, I, where we'll differ a little bit here is I think that we are uh, born out of goodness. Mm -hmm. I think we're all, we're all born out of something beautiful mm -hmm. and amazing. Um, so I, I do, I think we're ignorantly good when we're born. Okay. Um, we don't know. We don't have any life experiences with nothing. We haven't been taught anything yet. I think we are. I think we're ignorant, not in a negative way. Sure. We just don't know. Mm -hmm. So the hatred, the anger, all that stuff, I feel like is more of a learned behavior than um, a naturally good behavior. I think yeah. we all have that moral compass that kind of leads us into the right direction. And I think it's our life experiences that kind of change that direction of that moral compass. Um, so that's kind of where I sit with the goodness piece of it. I, I do feel like we are good humans, individuals that just kind of get led to the wrong path sometimes based on our previous experiences. So how do we, how do we get better about catching that kind of stuff? Because, <clears throat> you know, we, we know that there's, we see it everywhere that there's tragedies, there's messed up stuff happening, but it's happened at such a fast rate. At least, at least from what I see. Maybe it doesn't happen that often. Maybe the news is just showing us that much stuff. But it's fucking working, whatever they're doing, is that it's happening at such a fast rate that now we don't give a shit as much about it anymore. Or it, it seems like we don't give a shit. Like, not that I'm saying, not, I'm not saying that I sh me and my wife should have been crying in the kitchen sure. when, when that came up. But I felt like maybe I should have given this a little more thought than like, well, shit. There's another. There's another killing, and then we just go back to cooking dinner. Yeah, yeah. I think we're just becoming more desensitized to it. Again, when you see something over and over and over again, it loses its meaning and its luster. Um, Do you think the same would happen then with kindness? If you see it oh. and do it over and over and over again, will it begin to lose its luster? And do you think that people will start to think that? other people are being fake. I don't think we've given it a chance. I think we we publicize violence so much. I mean, it's anytime you turn on the news, it's violence, violence, violence. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do you see that kind act that somebody did. Never do you do you get that feel good stuff. I don't think we've given it a shot. It's always on the negative. And I wish that we would somebody somehow would start publicizing the good stuff in people. The 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 honest, good, old-fashioned feelings that you get when you do something good for somebody. Why can't that be a topic of conversation instead of... While, while mass shootings are important to discuss and to figure out the problem, um, I think it's... Uh, I, don't, I don't know what, that, what I'm trying to... What I'm trying to say, but we... we because it's so highly publicized, I think, mm -hmm. I think the mass shooter in itself thinks that hey, I'm going to get on the news, I'm going to be famous. Mm -hmm. There's a 
you, you popularize it. You make it something greater than what it sure. is. You make an awful act something to, in that person's eyes good, important. Look but at me. The other thing, too, is that when you take it on to a macro level, like if you see a company do something incredibly nice, like they're almost rewarded with tax breaks or they're yep. rewarded with all this other stuff. It, it comes down for a lot of companies to like just publicity like, for example, Pride, Pride Month. Gillette went nuts with, with a lot of their marketing. It's And a lot of companies, you know, they change their, their fonts on their websites to right, rainbow right, colors right. and all this other stuff. And it's like, where do we draw that line of being like, do you really care or not? Well, and again, I, I think that, and where, I, where I've fallen with it is to a degree... It's going to be, and, and this goes against what we said earlier, it, it, it was the intention instead of the outcome in this situation. Or it's the it, attempt. It, yeah, it's it's whatever investment that was, you laud the, the attempt as opposed to, okay, well, you know, you tried. Yeah. Um, Gillette, we can't really say that they had noble intentions. It's bottom line. It's a financial, it's demographic based. They, I'm sure they threw a lot of money at the issue mm-hmm. before they executed those ads in a very calculated manner. Mm-hmm. My thing is, is if it if it normalizes it, if it makes it a societal norm and it keeps even just one kid from, you know, killing themselves because of social pressures that are way too much based upon, uh, you know, your sexuality or gender, arbitrary shit. Mm-hmm. If Gillette throwing money at something in order to get money back even if it's just for f- fucking money, if that if that helps to normalize something, then I'm all for it. And again, my long-winded point being, if you look at people, and this is not to generalize about the autism spectrum, but you have individuals who are on the spectrum, highly, highly functioning individuals, exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, but in many cases there is an affect element that is associated with it. Your EQ, you might have an IQ of 170, Mm -hmm. but oftentimes the EQ is something that is a little bit more difficult for folks that, you know, reside somewhere on the spectrum. Empathy is not a big element of that. And somehow, you know, these individuals have figured out a way to understand social ties, ethics, things like that, where kind acts or doing things that make you a decent person are not steeped in some warm, fuzzy feeling. They're steeped in logic. Mm-hmm. This individual understands social ties, ethics, things like that are a fundamental backbone element to society at large. Um, so you have people that are basically born with little to no capacity of innate understanding of empathy, but they train themselves in another way in order to understand things and act kindly or be a decent human because being. Because it produces a positive outcome. Correct. And, and I feel like that there's a lot to be said. If somebody can be born without having that, that warm, fuzzy feeling that all of us get from time to time when we do something good, and that's a reward that we receive. It's, it's not why we do it, sure. but we do receive mm-hmm. that. Yep. Think about being born 
and not having that capacity really and having mm-hmm. to learn empathy as a abstract you're we have a concrete because we have the oxytocin serotonin and all that kind of stuff is released when we do things um under the same circumstances they might not have that response my point being i feel like that really underscores the amount of utility that we have especially in young people individuals with that have much more like uh psychological plasticity mm-hmm. We have such an opportunity to ingrain uh, values associated with empathy with those individuals, regardless of their innate capacity to learn them. And if if somebody can be born hypothetically without an, an overwhelming capacity for empathy or chemical empathy, if you're born with some capacity for chemical empathy, there's a lot of hope. Mm. Um, and I know, like he was saying, we're constantly bombarded by the negative. And I, I think that that is a byproduct of technology has surpassed evolution. We can't keep up. We cannot evolve quick oh, enough yeah, no, to keep yeah. up with, with evolution. Yep. Um, and we're in the information age. Brutality has been a fundamental part of our species for 200,000 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, human beings do amazing things. Human beings do horrendous things, and we always have. But now in the information age, um, where everybody has a camcorder basically in their pocket, the incidence of this is going to be, it's going to be exposed at a much greater rate. Also on top of that, what is it? We have a popular, Earth, the population 7.7, 7.8. It's getting close to 8 billion. Yeah, 7.7 or 7.8 billion people on this planet. Um, proximity has a huge uh, role in deviant behavior, violence, things like that. I mean, and again, it's ingrained in us to protect those around us, um, protect resources. And, you know, they're, as great as we are, I still, I still think that we have to make the fundamental acknowledgement that we have these apish tendencies, Mm -hmm. those apish tendencies that we have, we tend to assign them values like I'm quirky or this is one of my, this is one of my quirks. This is how I am. And then have no desire to work on that whatsoever. Work on those quirks, man. Cause a lot of times that shit that you just assign yourself as like a personality characteristic flaw, whatever is steeped in some sort of biological imperative that is going unfulfilled in modernity because we have all of our needs met and in the absence of problems you create problems that's the whole notion of first world problems yeah we have running water electricity plenty to eat more than anything so we get mad that um our cell phone's not working great that day yeah it's all relative dude we get mad when when the door when the door doesn't work at the gym yeah 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 i don't think this person was from here at all was it the key fob or something she went to swipe her key fob and it it didn't open up as fast as she expected it to nick nick is just he's he's been a nice person and i'm sitting here standing next to the lady and i'm seeing here sitting here watching her like evolve into karen you know you know everyone knows karen let me speak to your manager you know i'm saying (laughs) karen with like the short bob and it's just like and i and so the funny thing is i was standing outside with her with it at the door and i was like oh you just have to wait for it she's like at my at my plant fitness or at my uh, anytime fitness it doesn't do this and I was just like, oh okay, 
uh, you know, all right, cool. Yeah. So I barely, I forget How to scan it. How dare they? Dude, yeah. So I see her and I was like, oh shit, she's, she's going to like, she's going to let him have it. That's when I got yeah, you. Yeah, she's coming in hot. Like, oh, whew. she gave it to him. And this guy was just nice the whole time. <laughs> I could not do that, man. I cannot do that for the life of me. Like I can't be nice or kind in the face of like, I, I, I know that you guys are good in the sense that you respond rather than react. Okay. I react and I'm trying to be better about responding rather than reacting, but I would have, I would have absolutely reacted there. Yeah. Like, first of all, calm the fuck down. It's a door. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I would have, I literally would have handled that whole thing a lot differently. Um, and, and, and again, I, it's funny because I'm in, I'm in sales, you know what I'm saying? And that yeah. kind of stuff will happen. But um, I can, the good thing for me is that if that comes in the form of an email, I'll table it for a second. And I'll probably write, write three versions. And delete of the, it. And yeah, it, I'll write something yeah. and delete it. Like, you bitch mother. Yeah, you know it starts I mean? off <laughs> real fucked up. It yeah. gets kind of passive aggressive. Yeah. And finally, you, then, you word it in such a way that it's just kind of benign. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I don't have that kind of ability to do that like on the fly. Yeah. And uh, that's something that like, I feel that's a skill that I that I feel that every person kind of needs because it could absolutely you can see it on his face. When, oh, when, I wear my emotions shit, on my yeah, face. Yeah, when, when the shit blows up, Kalu's just like you can. If I'm just, disappointed in someone. I'm just like he just looks washed out. Like he's like I'm dead inside now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a joke, man. Like all right, so my my thing before we sort of like wrap up, like how do we? Because I don't think we really talked about how do we teach kindness to other people because i know you said that we're we're born out of something beautiful and all that kind of stuff and there's but i i just feel like there's still a lot of terrible things that are going on how do we sort of let people know that you can be kind despite the shit that has happened to you in your life like where where is the well i think it should be normal right sure sure it should be fucking normal so one element of it, and I'm not saying that we don't encourage people to be kind, but we have a culture where fe people feel like that they should be rewarded for kindness instead of kindness being a normative social institution. Like the baseline should be kindness. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't. We shouldn't even have to, and it, uh, we do. Like yeah. you were saying, we do need these stories that show people or have inherently good aspects of who they are but in a more progressive society and i'm not talking politically i'm just yeah, saying yeah, a more yeah. progressive society you shouldn't get a pat on the back for things that are expected of you just mm. being a decent human being yep. that sucks that we're at a point in society where being a decent human being is lauded yeah and i think that that's a fundamental thing that we've got a generation of people that um and i'm not trying to shit on you know, younger generations and, sh and things like that. But you had to work for what you got. And now that we, and I see it with the little ones, man, like when I was out running around barefoot, climbing trees, taking ales left and right. Getting my, I got my ass looked at the roller skating got rink my before. Ass beat, <laughs> like, got hit yeah. in the face with a rock, yeah. all this kind of stuff. They don't experience that same kind of stuff. They, they experience an artificial form of it. So you've got, say, somebody seven years old. 
they are absorbing information at a rate that we can't comprehend mm-hmm. at this point in our lives. They're just absorbing it. Mm-hmm. And the amount, the, the sheer volume of information that they're fucking exposed to, this is an unprecedented thing for children. Yeah. We don't know what kind of impact that's going to have. They're just, so So if a seven-year-old is just going through YouTube, you know if you and I went down to YouTube rabbit hole and we're on YouTube for an hour, we're going to see some heinous shit because yeah. that's just the way YouTube is. Yeah. Like, so if you're seven, YouTube starts out as relatively benign, but an hour into YouTube videos, you end up mm. going down a damn rabbit hole. I think that we need to disconnect young people. And when I say young people, I mean little ones, ones that are sponge, sponge, sponge. We have to be much more responsible with the amount of information that they're exposed to because I think it's overwhelming for them and I don't mm-hmm. think it's natural. Yeah. Um, and I sound like a fucking an old fogey or whatever with this, but it, again, it's completely unprecedented and, and it's not... You said it a long time ago. We're giving machine guns to chimpanzees. It is. It's that's a, what we're doing. A seven-year-old is, and that in that episode we talked about one of the fundamental elements of human society has historically been looking at elders as a as a source of wisdom. Mm-hmm. That's who held all the lore and everything that was passed down to the next generation. So there was a social hierarchy, even though these individuals couldn't necessarily contribute in a meaningful way when it came to hunting, gathering. Um, building things it, in many cases they you know travel more slowly yeah they still contributed because they were a wealth of information yeah now we live in an age where grandma and grandpa don't know shit compared to Google yeah so but, yeah. so respect is not garnered through- I, I, here's the the one thing that I'll tell I'll say though right is that when you talk about like having kids like disconnect and stuff like there is no way to get people away from the internet. You know, our goddamn refrigerators are connected now. You know what I'm no saying? Mine. Like, oh, well, you, but you know, <laughs> neither is mine. I don't well, allow uh, that kind of bullshit in my house. <laughs> I don't even have Wi Fi in that motherfucker. <laughs> but there's, I mean, but there's like, we're at this phase where like everything is connected. And I think that rather than, I think what we need to be doing better as adults is meeting kids where they are. Right, as opposed to taking them and saying like, disconnect. Because I used to think that same way. You know, I mean, like disconnect, cut off the shit. We just need to learn how to use the internet better. Like, meet them where they are, and then be like, hey, this is how you can be nice on the internet. This is how you can be cool doing this thing. You know, and I started thinking of like these, like, just random ways to be good. Right. So when when I was younger, um, and we, tr- I think we tried doing this with with my uh, stepdaughter is that there were like essentially like three jars when you have money. One is your spend, one is your save, and one is your share, right? In the age of like just being able to quickly Venmo or PayPal someone or do anything like that, like teaching kids like, hey, man, it's cool to like send some, like you want to do something nice, send something cool to someone. You know what I mean? Like send a kid a couple bucks if they're if they're having problems with like paying for lunch or some shit like that. Like I will randomly order a pizza at one of my friends' house and just be like, "Hey, it's from Clue, I love you." And you know, I'll spend 7.99, you know, and they have a pizza at their house. But like being able to meet people on that kind of thing and show like it's it's cool to be kind and like smart about it and use a the technology there, but also being like, "All right, what kind of stuff can I research?" Showing them like good sites to learn about different things, but also like we also have said Letting kids recognize that, like, 
I treat the internet like I do my love for guns. Like you can save or end a life with a gun and you can save or end a life with the internet. And you have to be able to show that kind of respect to the internet. I think that us as older people, we don't give enough respect to the internet because the internet has outclassed us. Like it's, it's beaten us in every single way. It's just beaten us. If someone wants to feel love, they can go and feel it and they join a, a group or something like that and go and do some other shit. I know I'm, I'm going on to a tangent here, but if you think of the, I think, I don't know if I explained it, but um, I've been listening to a lot of like uh, information security podcasts. And like when, if you guys remember maybe two, three years ago when AshleyMadison.com got hacked, if you guys heard, yep. okay, so yeah. it's a site where people go and find affairs or whatever. So a lot of these people got blasted and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they were like, they're cheating. They're all this other stuff. But when, when the real data came through, it was like 85 to 90% of the female accounts were fake. They were all scripts that are running to just give you an emotional, to make you feel like someone likes you or make you feel like someone wants to talk to you. I mean, people, these families are getting ripped apart, and it's not even another person on the other line that they're talking to. It's a fucking computer. Yep. So, like, they, the technology has replaced our capacity to show love and to show compassion and all this other stuff. It's like, that's where we are. So, my thing is, maybe we should be better about respecting that part and being like, okay, they, some people may not be able to respond better, like, in person. How do we meet them where they are and talk to them this way? So I kind of think of it that way. Um, but then um, I still think that there is tons of value to going out and, and disconnecting. But I don't want the disconnection to be because the internet can't teach you things or because it's, it doesn't serve up or, or that it can't serve a really awesome, awesome, huge purpose. Well, and that's the thing is that people that are born in the age of the internet don't, they don't understand it in terms of us. We have a concrete under, understanding of a world pre-information mm-hmm. age in a meaningful context. They don't. They have sure. none of that. So their personal identity, and I'm not as much talking about teenagers, I think one's access to what the internet has to offer should be ramped up in accordance with their age. I think it should be age appropriate. Sure, giving, that makes sense. Giving a seven-year-old absolute free reign to explore the internet, they are intelligent enough to get themselves in, in trouble. A dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yep. then if you have too much, too much of the online in a key phase of human development your identity becomes intrinsically linked to who you are online, much more so than we had to contend with. Our identity development came about through face-to-face or over-the-phone, you know, peer interactions. They're forming identities with fewer consequences. You can do, say, and see any number of things without Bro. without consequence. Let me tell you, you know how many times, this is why I quit playing some games online, when you have a little kid being like, you, know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dropping N-bombs, the hard yeah. R's and shit on me, and like, I can't just be like, Caluso, man. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> Cause I know I, cause I'll, I'll come say over shit. to your house and blast your mom. I'll fuck your mom, bro. I'll say some like, <laughs> like I'll say some awful, awful shit. But I'm just like, this doesn't hurt him as much as it does me, right. and he's fucking nine years old or something like that. Like I, I get it, man. I totally get. I think that it's. Part. The, I think again, it's the tool element. It's and and all of us in this room could take 
a uh, could learn a lesson from looking at the internet as not something that we expect, mm-hmm. not a fundamental element of who we are as beings. We always need to keep it in terms of it being a tool to be utilized mm-hmm. because do these online fucking personas people do say and see things that they normally would not do say and see yeah and people get on the internet facebook get in arguments say things to people that they would be much more nuanced about saying if they yeah. were face to face with them so again when we're talking about young people when i say disconnect i'm i'm not going to be a, a luddite about this i'm not like throw all your technology sure, in the trash sure. but I will say that I'm probably part of a group of people that is like, let's pump the brakes a little bit on this shit. Because, again, like I I see young folks and their complete and utter immersion into Internet. Mm -hmm. Five, six, seven days a week, hours upon hours upon hours. And you ask them like, hey, you want to go? You want to go to the park? Let's go do this. You want to go? No, yeah. yeah, but see, watch I, YouTube. well, I think we've put so much value on things like the internet. Um, the fact that we can get something, we can get an information as fast as our fingertips will type. So we've put all this, all this value onto something that we can't see, feel, or touch, mm. really. Mm-hmm. And in the process, we've devalued ourselves. Absolutely. And we've mm. devalued our friends, our family. We place less value on Kalu and his information. Because I can just go on to Google and I can look it up myself. So part of me says we all just need to kind of regress a little bit and say, hey, what happened to those family connections, those friend connections? Let's put more value on ourselves. And I think you'll see more kindness there. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. When I don't look at you as a source of value or of, of something that's important to me, it's more difficult to be kind to somebody when when somebody's important to me you're obviously going to be kind to them you're going to love them mm-hmm. you're going to hold them you're going to all that stuff but when you don't see that person as valuable anymore that's when you lose that compassionate side of yourself so taking that away taking the the valuable piece of the internet and of everything else of technology away and placing more value in ourselves automatically brings about more caring compassionate Attributes. Yeah, and it, it it actually falls in line with something that um, that I'd said a long time ago. It's and this is probably just quoted somewhere is where I got it from. I said, "If you want more, be more." Yep. So if you want to see more value, be more valuable yep. to people. Well, and and I think there's something to be said too, and we've we've spoke on this in previous podcasts. How our society, one of the first questions that they ask someone when they meet meet them is, "So what do you do?" Yep. Mm. Yep. And identity is intrinsically linked to occupation. It's what, yeah. And and then it's what do you do for a living? So I know how much respect to assign you. Mm. It's unfortunately a big element of all of this. Yep. And I think, like he was saying, a step back. And I don't mean we're we're not trying to be luddites, like I said about this, and throw technology in the trash. But us, just like we're very adamant about not let not letting the tide take you away when it comes mm-hmm. to any number of things, the internet has careened, taken us with it mm-hmm. and careened out of control. And now, like, you got to kind of shake yourself and wake up. Like, if you spend a little bit of time away from the internet, you realize you don't necessarily need the internet on a hierarchy of needs level. 
Um, we do live in an age where commerce, um, information, everything is stored, conveyed, yeah. whatever online. But as he was saying, taking a little bit of a, a step back and I think a throwback to something where we're less defined by our occupations as well. If we were to go back to the idea of mechanical solidarity, mm-hmm. back where our grandparents knew how to do a lot of shit. You know, they could they could can vegetables, they could work some land, they could uh, butcher a, a pig, they could, you know, clean a deer, whatever. They could do any number of things that we now go to a specialist for. Mm-hmm. We all become specialists, and in becoming specialists, we become very helpless and very defined by our occupation, and it mm-hmm. becomes a precarious type of interaction. The, under, the other side of that is it leads to objectification of people a whole lot too it's what can this person do for me instead of relationships being genuinely built on mutualism and respect if you've got mechanical solidarity whereby individuals can do the majority of their own things independent of the social system um relationships are based more on mutualism if you have organic solidarity where somebody might be the best physician on the planet, but they don't know how to change a tire. Um, it's your social ties are based upon what somebody can do for you, not who they are. Mm -hmm. And I think that taking, taking a lot more charge of our personal utility as individuals, like us being Renaissance men and women, I think would go a long way for us understanding one another in terms of mutualism and appreciation as opposed to what can you do for me? Sure. Because we'll be more whole people. Like, I don't need you to do anything for me. I just like having you around. Yep. Mm. So, again, explain again your way to how you teach kindness, like to your kids or to other people, just you, by being kind. I, th- I think the big thing is you, you're showing by example lead a life that you want your children to lead, mm-hmm. right? Um, I lead a life that your parents aspired for you to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, your parents wanted something better for you. I want something better for my kids. You want something better for yours. It's all about leading by example. If I can show my kids that not only is this the right thing to do, but it's the kind thing to do without any expectations They'll grow up not thinking anything else about it. By doing something kind, they don't expect anything. It just is what it is. If I can teach them to say, hey, it's kind of, I watched my six-year-old hold a door open uh, two days ago, Saturday, mm-hmm. right? He just held a door open. That's kindness. Mm-hmm. Whether he knows it or not, and he doesn't, mm-hmm. but he's, he knows that it's the right thing to do. Hold this door, let two more people come out. Yeah. Small things like that reassure the fact that I know I'm doing at least something right in life. Sure. I'm teaching my kids how to be polite and how to be kind. Whether the, the two people that came out thought that was polite or not, I don't know. They didn't say. But it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that my son realizes at six years old that by simply holding the door open, that was the right thing to do. So that's all I can ask is, is, is fulfill the dreams that my parents had for me and hopefully lead an example that is positive for my kids and then they branch out, and they branch out. So mm-hmm. my legacy doesn't end with them, hopefully, um, and it doesn't end with grandchildren and all that stuff. 
hopefully my legacy is something that continues on and sure in the way of uh opening a door yeah. as simple as that legacy is not what you leave for people it's what you leave in them you know so. we're all I, I think about individuals as planets you know we all have mass mm-hmm. and when, with mass comes gravity mm-hmm. right so you might have those rogue asteroids that kind of fly by and and they're not affected by gravity they just keep going but in some form or fashion we're all kind of connected mm-hmm. in a sense through through that gravity we're all kind of getting pulled in together we're all stuck in this in this rotation because of gravity pulling us together so if i can suck somebody else into my gravity maybe they can suck somebody else into theirs or into even theirs. at least alter their trajectory because sure. you know when you were think when you were literally talking about an a, a rogue asteroid going by you yeah. know you know how many like near misses they say that you know asteroids almost hit earth but when if you think of just the way that gravity works it could be heading towards hitting something and it's catastrophic but because it passed by earth the earth's gravity pulled it a little bit and so maybe you and and to relate that to humans someone could be heading straight into a wall and that wall might be suicide or that wall might be drugs that wall might be something but because they had that interaction with you you just said one kind you said one fucking thing yes and their thing just got a little bit just far enough that it misses the wall then you've done your job right on so that's 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 awesome, guys. I really I I that was good. I needed this episode today. Do we have any shameless shout outs or anything? Like that? Um always shameless shout out to our boy Tyler Young yep. at Grade Eight Performance. Um it's my understanding he's got a full load. Mm-hmm. Um he had a online uh coaching spot open up recently, but I think somebody jumped on that. I jumped on that. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. I was you, like, oh, fuck it, I'll do you it. I'll filthy do filthy bitch. Yeah, I just I was like, oh, let's do some core stuff. And so okay. I may I may do a I actually need him to help me with my squats and just getting, dude, come getting my left leg to not buckle in. Dude so. the, the cambered bar and the monolift. You've got a cambered bar yeah. here, yeah. yeah. So cambered, cambered bars are so great awesome. for yeah. stability, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean it if you worked the cambered bar for a few months and didn't even touch like a straight like a squat mm-hmm. conventional squat bar, it would make a world of difference. Yeah, that's what's up. Now he's, I mean, he's hit the nail on the head, and I didn't realize it when I first got under a cambered bar. I was like, "What the fuck, yeah. man!" Now it, you almost crave it. Like, yeah, hey, yeah let me get this cambered bar in my yeah. life. But that's what's up. Um, yeah, want to give a shout to Bartley Weaver. It's his birthday. Um, happy birthday, yeah, Bartley! Happy birthday, brother! I don't know how old he turned. Is it? What's he, he like? Thirty-two. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's thirty-one. He's thirty-one. 31? Okay. Yeah. He's a titan man. He is a freaking uh, bodybuilder. He's a competitive eater. It's just crazy. That is just crazy. He's just good ass dude. That's, he is. That's the fundamental. You know when thing, you, when you live a life a like that, human being. The only way that you can leave this earth is like exploding. Like <laughs> so he just has to be like <laughs> he gone like a nuke. It's yeah. like oh. Hell yeah, man! And, and Bartley lived a good life, in, man. In the, in the same vein, we we got to give uh, uh, rest in peace, uh, Franco Colombo. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, he passed away. One of the OG bodybuilders. Uh, well, the original power builder, dude. Really? Like, yeah, he because he he was the original like the whole time that he was competing in his weight class, and then ultimately competing against Arnold. Hmm. He was doing powerlifting like a mug. Yeah. Not only was he aesthetic as hell, he was strong. Yeah. yeah, I saw that video where he like deadlifted a car to move it to help well, he to help a, someone move. And he out had of on the like way. A, a dress shirt like yeah. tucked into some slacks, and he yeah. was just like, well, "Let me go lift this little car out of yeah, the way." Yeah, dude. That so rest awesome in peace stuff. to Franco right Colombo. He was great, man. I've yep. Never heard any bad stuff about him. 
Um, I do want to give a uh, shout out to Fuel Nutrition, to Oxology Labs. Um, also, I haven't been doing this enough, but I want to give another shout out to uh, uh, Complete Nutrition, my buddy Peyton. Um, oh, yeah. Really, really good dude, and we don't talk enough about him. And I'd like to get him. Yeah, on Complete at some Nutrition point. is dope. Man. Yeah, yeah, man. And, and they, I, they I sponsor a lot of yes. And sponsored one of our boys. one of my friends, Johnny Russell, who just recently won. Was it first place in this yeah, thing? Got, yep, in uh, his open. And that was his first time doing yep. a bodybuilding competition. So shout out to Johnny Russell for the amount of work that he put in. Um, it's it's just it's awesome seeing the transition that he made. I think he started out like two seventy or something like that. I don't know what he weighs now, but he looks damn good, dude. And uh, so I'm just I'm really proud of the developments that he has sort of undergone throughout this whole thing. I mean. I would imagine I've never thought about getting into that shit, but I know Have it's got to be knee trying. sleeves yet. Do what? I, I have a knee brace. You need knee sleeves no. so for your squats. This is as long as your legs are and the psychological element. Yeah. I feel yeah. better with my brace on because the same type of brace that like offensive linemen use, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But it's, it blocks that motion from your knee going side to side. And so sometimes it can get a little bit. Weird, so maybe if I wore that more, I wouldn't, you now, know. Now, I have heard, I've not heard it as much with sleeves as I have with wraps, mm -hmm. but I've heard some people are afraid. I have wraps, because by it, the way. if things go south sometimes with wraps on, mm -hmm. like wraps provide stability, but if things happen to go south, mm -hmm. there's no room to escape to either. Escape. Yeah, it's just sure. going to take your shit and snap city. Um, I don't want any But I don't, th it, it hasn't, and I use sleeves. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally I'll use wraps, but... With the sleeves, you it, it frees you up. You don't have that uh, that idle hum in the back of your head that's worried about your knee stability yeah. as much. And yeah. I think that that's something that you you got that little fear in the back of your yes. head, like fuck my knees, fuck my knees, fuck. My yeah, knees. yeah. After getting a second, you know, meniscus tear, that's why I'm just like, all right, I, I gotta pay attention a little bit more. Yeah, SBD so. or Cerberus, and did, was it Cerberus that is now sponsoring uh, Tyler? sponsoring Tyler? Cerberus, yeah. Oh wow, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, do you have any shameless shout-outs or anything? These are, these are things where you can say anything. I you know. can say, like, what's up? I love you. You can say, go to hell. You can say whatever. Let's do some, We'll do something nice. We'll do something kind of right. <laughs> All right. Uh, always to my Anytime Fitness family. Yes, that's uh, up. You know, three years ago, we had zero members. We, uh, we had a shell of a building, uh, maybe some equipment by then. And really, that was about it. Um, and then we had this crazy dream that we would just bring all these cool people in here and we would work out and become a big family. So here we are, you know, three years later, um, and, and I couldn't ask for a better group of people to work out with. I couldn't ask for a better uh, group of people that, that honestly, genuinely, we talk about me caring about other people. These people care about me. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's something that I could never uh, repay. So even, even just lending an ear is not ever going to be enough. A thank you is never going to be enough. But these people give me purpose. Yeah. You know, I, they help me find my why, why my, yeah. you know, my existence here is to help others. And this, this journey here, this three year journey that we've gone on together has given me that, that, that reason to, yeah. to keep going, to be kind, to, yeah. to do more and want more. So, and I'll tell you this, man, I joined your gym, not because of the equipment or not because I joined because of you, dude. Like I, I heard about you and then I was like, all right, let me go. Cause when I, when I was talking to, Barley, I, you know, we were at my other gym. I still go there, BAC, and I was just like, hey, man, I kind of need just a change of pace, and I kind of I want to be just nobody for a little bit and just kind of do my own thing and just, you know, kind of getting like not – I'm no longer inspired. Yeah. You know, just going to the gym just feels like 
waking up and just eating breakfast. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it just feels like a, just a normal thing. And so I was like, I need to have that spark again. And so he start he he didn't even start talking about the gym. Bartley just started talking about you. And so I was like, all right, cool. Let me go out there and hit the place up. And instantly, dude, I was like, this dude's fucking cool, you know. And then I was, and then again, the way that you that I saw you make people feel comfortable, and the way that because I'll, I'll work out just about anywhere or something like that. But like the way that you made people feel comfortable, and I was like, man, he's he really he's bought in, you know. That's when I was like, all right, let me let me try and see if my my wife and stepdaughter want to go, you know. And they like it, even though they don't go that much. You know, I'm just like, hey, that's cool. Because yeah. they were talking about wanting to try and go today. And I was like, it's working. Nick's well, fucking working. He's you know what I was it. thinking? You know? I was like, yeah, pe- yeah, people yeah. say that, that folks oftentimes don't leave jobs. They leave bad supervisors. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a modicum of truth to the idea that people who want to work out and, and are consistent and will go don't leave gyms as much as they leave the management or the ownership of a gym. And, and I have nothing run. against, I, I think they're great people at, at that run BAC. They're, oh yeah. They're, well, they're, I mean, shout out to like Julie and, and like, and her husband, like well, they shout are out to powerhouse people. too. Yeah. And I'm not really talking right about either one of those. Yeah. Like I don't have, but, um, I had a previous gym membership and I'm not going to throw shade and get on here and talk crap yeah. about them. Uh, just for the sake of not being cool. I, I hope he does well. I, yeah. I'm just not going to put that negativity, especially not on a kindness episode. Yeah. But literally, as soon as the new owner took control of it, um, they ripped out all of the legit weightlifting equipment that we had accrued. Mm-hmm. Um, the the community that we had fostered in there uh, was gone. I mean, we had a deadlift platform that was built from scratch, and it mm-hmm. was phenomenal. And they removed that. They removed everything, and then they stopped maintaining the machines like mm-hmm. they were supposed to. Um, they increased prices, and again, it it's one thing to do all that kind of stuff, but doing that on top of not having a great rapport mm-hmm. with the people that come in, you act like that you could take them or leave them. That's why I left that gym. Yeah. Um, if if I had felt that same sense of community. Even if um, a location happened to hypothetically close, I would still drive across town to the other location mm-hmm. just for the sake of that community. But since that was gone, yeah. I, I threw it by the wayside. So again, you know, anytime fitness, uh, powerhouse, BAC, find your community when it yeah, comes yeah. to the gym. It, that's, that's one a- of the most important elements of it. And I think. Planet Fitness has hit on that, mm-hmm. even though they do it in a very grotesque manner, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the exclusionary, like, lunkhead kind of manner. But they understand that people want to work out within a comfortable context yep. that has a community of individuals. Yep. And I think I think Nick's on to something. Yeah. And, you know, to build on that community talk, I, I branched out because I normally – I'll talk to people at the gym, right? But there's certain – like, but if I notice people – like I'll only say something to certain ones. I, I, you know, I was like, "Nice glutes, Ben." You know what I mean? But like, there was this, there was this girl that had been working out for just consistently hitting the treadmill and all this other kind of stuff. And then I would see her in the spin room, and I, one day I came and said, "Hey, I want to let you know I'm seeing the work that you're doing. You're putting your head down. You're doing what you, what, whatever you set out to do. But just notice it's paying off, and I'm proud of you." Left adjusted that. Yeah, you know? dude. A smile, a nod, and just like letting them know that you're. Up, yeah, exactly. Whatever. Just fist bump, like, "Hey, I'm proud of you," and just saying it like that. Like, 
only a certain like there's some communities that'll be like, oh, you're hitting on me or you're doing something, but like it, it comes from me once weighing 500 pounds yeah. and wishing that someone would notice like just a little change well, that I made and or even, something like and that. And even they don't even ha- you don't even have to go so far as to even articulate anything specific yeah just when you see that that person that's in the gym that's sweating their ass off yes that is only bench pressing 115 pounds just letting them know and like, they're I killing it they're, i mean they're absolutely their shirts drenched yep. the subtle nod they're i do that yeah i do or, the subtle nod or or even if you've developed enough of a rapport even something that's kind of clownish mm-hmm. like Hey, I see you. Yeah. Like they get done with their bench, making that acknowledgement. Yeah. If you're, I do that. I'll look a dude in the eye and just nod at him just after they do their set, and I'll just get back to right to what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, because like, I, I see think, you, man, dude. It, that goes a lot further than the amount of weight that somebody. Like, oh hell yeah. yeah! Say I miss three forty mm-hmm. or whatever. If I'm in there killing it with two twenty five, mm-hmm. and somebody is like, that feels. Yeah, infinitely yeah. fucking better, and yeah. it's all context based. If somebody's in there killing it with one fifteen, acknowledge their existence, mm-hmm. keep it moving, because a lot of people aren't, you know, they're they're in an uncomfortable position mm-hmm. too, you know, meet them where they're at. But yeah, acknowledge a human, another human being's existence, and it doesn't even have to be the gym. Mm. It can be any number of contexts. The acknowledgement somebody yeah. is putting effort in. Yeah, yeah. invest. That, that's the big thing is invest in people. Whether it's your time, whether it's you know, a, an attaboy, just invest. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that they'll invest back in you. When you open yourself up, when you show your vulnerabilities to somebody, when you invest in them, I promise you they'll open up in some form or fashion. They will reinvest in you. And it might be... It may not be the way you want. It may not be the way you yeah. want it. And it might not be until a year from now. Yeah. Or it could be next week. Who knows? But don't stop investing in people. Don't stop investing in your friend, your neighbor, your brother, your sister, whoever. Take the time out of your day to just invest in somebody. That's what's up. All right, guys. I appreciate your time. Thank you again, Nick, for jumping thank on you. for this yeah, episode. You. Always. Um, you guys know where to hit us up. That's at the Salumist on Instagram. Uh, that's at the Salumist Podcast, sorry, on Instagram. Go to our website, www.thesalumist.com. We've got gear on there that you can buy. You can also listen to episodes on there as well. Um, I'm probably going to do another sausage making session at some point this week. I don't know what it's going to be on yet, but uh, hopefully we'll have some really good content there. But again, thank you all for your time and attention. We hope you guys have an awesome, awesome uh, week and everything like that. Good Labor Labor Day. Day. Yeah, happy Labor Day. Also, I forgot to add, where can people find you, Nick? We are on Iron Skillet Court. So that is right next to Greenwood High School. There's a beautiful Culver's. Um, sitting in front of the treadmill so you can you can run and think about Culver's if you want to. So we're in between uh, Sonic and Culver's. 920 Live, my buddy Brandon there. Yeah, Open up barbecue. his store. He's a great guy. Uh, so we're kind of sitting right there, right off Scottsville Road. Okay. Come see us. What's anytime. your uh, Instagram? Do you guys have Instagram? Yep, anything like at that? Anytime Fitness, BGKYs, Instagram. Sweet, sweet. Um, guys, jump on there for real. If you're looking for a place to go and work out, and you know if you want to see it like a fucking kind, kind, kind owner out there and just a kind person in general, Please hit this place up and just talk to Nick, man. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. So with that, we're out, and uh, you guys enjoy. Oh, wait. I said it wrong, didn't I? I yeah, said, you did. And you so- we are out. That's twice in a row. Peace. <laughs>